0: It is another edition of Making Money, where we try to give you a little financial literacy. Dispensed by the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we told the folks last week we're going to talk about yields, especially dividend yields. And you mentioned that you know you're in the industry for over four decades as a portfolio manager. And, and you really had to go back and think about the last time you saw these kinds of numbers available to investors.
1: The last time I saw yields this this good was really back in the early 80s when I started in the business. And so, you know, investors, that's one of the biggest challenges, Gord, they face when they, they get closer to retirement is how am I going to fund this? What kind of investments can I look at or where can I go to be able to get the cash flow I need to be able to maintain my lifestyle? And so, what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at five sectors that, uh, frankly, have some of the best yields that I've seen in 40 years. So if you're trying to answer that question, what can I do in retirement to get income? This is going to be a great show for you. But it's also going to be a great show for you if you, you're saying, look, I don't have to get incredible returns in the stock market and with it take incredible risk. All I want to do is I want to get good, solid returns year after year. And typically, companies that pay good dividends and increase those dividends on a regular basis are the kind of companies that you can own if you're a conservative investor. And uh, they'll generally, if you hold them for longer periods of time, historically, they've delivered the goods.
0: Well, I can can sort of say with a, a, a really good degree of certainty, you and I have known each other since you began your career. And we talked an awful lot about investing over the years. And, and we're on the same page. That's the way we think. And, I mean, I've been retired for, I guess, what, 14 years now. I have to think about it for a minute. I don't live like a king, but I live comfortably because I followed that strategy. And I think I know a lot of other people in the same boat. You don't have to be greedy. You just have to get a decent return. And with these kinds of numbers, there's things you should be looking at. Let's start with telecoms. Like, they don't go away, right? <laughs> no, and if you
1: if you take a look, I mean, what really twigged me to do a show on this, Gord, was uh, I saw a chart with current yields for Canadian sector compared to a 10-year bond. And right now, the 10-year Governor of Canada bond has got one of the highest yields it's had in years at 3.5%. But utility sector currently is yielding on average 4.2%. We're going to talk about ones that yield even higher. Uh, The financial index is yielding 4.8%. And then you have the telecom index, which is yielding 4.9%. This is an average of the, most of the major stocks in that sector. Then you have the, the REIT, or Real Estate Investment Trust Index, which is yielding 5.2%. So we're going to look at these four sectors, utilities, financials, uh, REITs, and telecoms, because they're the four sectors that have the highest yield. And we're just going to take a couple of the stocks in each sector that have uh, a combination of high quality and good dividends. And we're just going to briefly run through to give you a list here of things to look at if you're trying to figure out how you can add some yield to your portfolio. Okay, let's start with the t- Canadian telecoms. Yeah, there's, there's two right now that have really uh, outstanding yields. The first one is BCE, which is the symbol is BCE. It's Bell Canada Enterprises. Currently, its dividend is 7.9%, and of course, they've gotten some political backlash from both the federal governments and some of the provincial governments uh, because they're selling some of their community radio stations, uh, which, frankly, uh, they're being bought by uh, other companies, which, frankly, have a lot more of a community focus, and BCE is saying, look, uh, we've had these things for years, we're just not capable of generating a good profit from them, and of course they've got an ongoing fight with the CRTC as well. That's pushed down the stock, but BCE at the moment has a dividend of seven point nine percent. And don't forget, for most individuals, Gord, uh, you know, if you're if you're in the top tax bracket in places in Eastern Canada, I mean, you're paying fifty three, maybe even fifty four percent tax on interest, where with dividends, you're probably paying a, about a third, you know, 33 to 35 tax somewhere in there. So dividends, especially outside of a tax uh, efficient plans like uh, RRSPs or, or, you know, uh, the home ownership savings plan, uh, these kind of stocks with high dividend payouts are really good for uh, accounts that are just not tax sheltered accounts because you pay so much less tax on the, the yield than you would on interest income.
0: It's not just radio and television they're involved in. Let's not forget that they are a telephone company as well. and A lot of people have phones these days, Ron. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course, the, the pipeline to get the,
1: to, for you to get on the Internet, the pipeline for you to communicate with other people, frankly, it all passes through uh, their cable, their satellite, their fiber optic network. So as that grows, you know, it's not phenomenal growth, but, you know, you look at uh, 3% growth in Canada of new immigrants coming in. Well, they're alone, those people are going to have to get tied up to the Internet, and not all of them are going to be able to afford it right away, but eventually everyone's going to have a cell phone and
0: an internet connection and uh, that the helps their bottom line. Yeah, the growth is there. The other one is is TELUS that's uh, been around a long time. Uh, I remember back to the Edmonton telephone days, but uh, that's a long time ago. TELUS, uh, yeah. they're paying a pretty good dividend too, aren't they? Yeah, their dividend is 6.3 percent and, and
1: uh, I can't remember the last time I saw TELUS with a dividend of 6.3 percent. So, you know, it's a quality name in Western Canada. Uh, it's got good long-term growth prospects with some of the other things they're doing. And, uh, you know, so over time, it's likely that you will get some growth with these two stocks. But if you're getting 6.3% to 7.9% on the board, you're getting paid very, very handsomely while you wait.
0: Okay, we move on to utilities. And again, as we've said countless times on this show, you come home from work every night, especially during the winter, the first thing you do is you turn on the lights. <laughs> and the furnace has been running, and electricity is being used. Utility companies are just the backbone of, well, any country, really, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and and our utility companies generally are a combination of, uh, uh, they provide electricity, but they also provide natural gas to homes. What And everybody's saying, yeah, yeah. And, and people are saying, well, you know, with uh, the move to renewables, uh, their days, especially the days of natural gas, are long over. But, you know, you look at anyone that has really taken the time to look at how long it's going to take to convert uh, over to, to electrical-powered everything, and we're not talking uh, years, we're not even talking decades, you know these guys are still going to be around in 40 or 50 years because we're going to need natural gas in the mix because frankly you just can't convert that fast and and the degradation that comes from mining you try to get a new mine on these days and it takes 10 years for the process to to work its way through you might recall that one of the biggest copper mines in the world is now in Panama and last fall The environmental movement shut them down because they said that they were creating too much of uh, environmental degradation and uh, they wanted to stop it. And you're seeing that all over the place when you try to start a mine and which, frankly, you need all these metals to set up this uh, renewable society that we're going to have. So I think people aren't appreciating how long this transition is actually going to take. And so, you know, we've got two names we want to talk about in this, uh, this sector. One is Capital Power, which provides natural gas and electricity. The symbol is CPX, and uh, the biggest concentration they have is in the prairies, uh, especially Alberta. And uh, they're yielding 6.6%. And the other one on the list is Amera, which is an Eastern Canadian-based utility that also has significant exposure in the east coast in the united states and the symbol is ema they're yielding 6.1 percent and frankly even if we do move toward more electricity in the grid a lot of people aren't going to be able to put the panels on the roofs so you're going to have companies like capital power like amera like transalta like canadian utilities that are going to be building out these huge grids And uh, because they can do it more efficiently when they're doing it in large size and hooking them up to the distribution networks and charging for it. So, you know, companies like Capital Power and Amera, they're going to be direct beneficiaries of the growth in electricity. And here again, you know, if you expect the demand for electricity to grow at a couple percent, two or three percent a year, well, you take and add that two or three percent growth onto a 6.6 and a 6.1 percent dividend. And you've got a very, very good total return uh, with utility stocks. And right now, most of them are down because of higher interest rates that we've seen. Typically, anything that offers a high yield, if interest rates go up, uh, they come down in price. And when they come down in price, the yield goes up. And that makes them more attractive. So uh, some of these sectors, which are the most conservative sectors in the economy, are at the bargain bin prices and offering yields that we haven't
0: seen literally in decades. Okay, you talked about financial sector. We could probably break that down into a couple of chunks, couldn't we, like insurance companies and, say, the banks?
1: Yeah, we're taking two big sectors here because the Canadian insurance companies are known for their conservatism, they're known for their financial strength, they're known for their slow growth, and certainly they're known for their dividends. And, and two names here, two of the big three. One is Manulife, MFC, and they have a yield of 4.9%, and a lot of uh, their growth is going to be coming from Asia, where they have a very strong presence. And Great West Life, which is a power part of the power group, their symbol is G-W-O, uh, their yield's 5.2%, and frankly, they've been expanding into Europe. They bought Irish, uh, some Irish Uh, Life Co's, and uh, they're expanding their base in Europe. So both these have solid dividends. They're not very expensive. And uh, frankly, these are the kind of companies that increase their dividend every year. So if you're worried about inflation, uh, if you buy a bond or you buy a GIC, I buy a five-year GIC that's paying 4%, it's going to pay me 4% every year even though next year if inflation's 3 or 2.5%, and the following year it's the same, and the following year it's the same, you're going to see the, the buying power of the money that uh, a GIC or a bond earns uh, depreciate with inflation over time, where you get many of the stocks on this list They've increased their dividends year after year. So you get some inflation protection. And many of them have actually grown their dividends significantly more than inflation over time.
0: I often think of these, uh, like especially a company like Great West Life, and that old adage, buy that stock, put it in a drawer and forget about it. (laughs) That,
1: That makes so much sense, Gord. That makes so much sense.
0: And, and I think you could also use that philosophy with the banks. We've talked about Canadian banks a lot on this show. They have a sterling reputation. Sure, they have struggles now and again. No company is is going to go unblemished in that regard. But the banks just keep trucking along, don't they?
1: Well, the banks have a very, very good franchise. They have an arrangement with the Canadian government, which gives them very supportive legislation and in return, they're asked to be conservative when their lending practices. So, you know, in the United States, typically every few years you see the financial industry going all over the, going over the waterfall, in a in a canoe, and you don't see that here in Canada. I mean, even last year you saw some of the biggest bankruptcies that uh, that you've seen since the 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 2007 2009, whereas. You know, in Canada, we've had pretty calm waters. That doesn't mean we don't have our problems. We don't have our write-offs. We're not going to take some hits in real estate. But generally, uh, we do pretty good. Uh, Two names here that pay good dividends, Bank of Nova Scotia, they're being punished right now because of their exposure to Central and South America, which frankly uh, hasn't had the growth prospects that they've expected. And uh, you know you've got a new management team in there, and uh, we'll see if things get changed around, whether they either reinforce that division and figure out a way uh, to improve their profitability down there, or to to sell off their holdings in that area. But Bank of Nova Scotia (BNS) has got a 6.6% dividend, and the other name, the second highest yielding bank stock is Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, uh, CM is their symbol, and the yield is 5.7%, so two very, very solid holdings with great
0: yields. Okay, let's talk about the pipelines. Uh, This is one that I I think both of us have been partial to over the years. You know, there would be people out there, oh, it's oil and gas, and they get all upset. But as you said, I mean, the infrastructure has been in the ground for a long time. The product continues to move through it. Maybe the day comes when they move water through it instead of oil and gas. We don't know. But they just, they're good companies.
1: Yeah, you've got two names here. One is uh, an uh, oil-biased name, which is Enbridge, E&B. And their dividend is an amazing 7.8%. And the second one on the list, which is uh, biased toward natural gas, in fact, later in the year, uh, they've announced that they're going to be selling off a lot of their their oil pipeline holdings, and uh, focusing on gas, and their yield seven point two percent. So, uh, both these companies have increased their dividends. I think Enbridge has increased its dividend every year for over twenty years now. So, uh, Enbridge is the biggest energy infrastructure company in North America at the moment. So, these are big quality names.
0: TC Energy used to be TransCanada, wasn't that with the, with the yeah TransCanada Pipe. yeah line? Trans
1: yeah yeah yep. TransCanada pipe, and nowadays everybody is. Uh, uh, changing their names. Interprovincial Pipeline changed their name to Enbridge. Uh, everybody's deciding that the, the the new and sexy them needs a new <laughs> and sexy name to go along with the company.
0: And the last sector we want to look at is one we talked about in our last episode of making money, and that's the REITs, the Canadian REITs.
1: And uh, there's two names here. I just took uh, out of the REITs. You could get a lot higher yields if you're going with commercial rates. But right now, I think that you pretty much want to stay as far away as you possibly can from especially office towers and commercial real estate because, frankly, uh, they're they're taking a lot of write-downs, and that's why the yields are so high. I'd much rather own something with better growth prospects that had a lower yield. And two names here, one's Killam apartment REIT. We talked about that last week, KMP.UN. Uh, these guys have uh, biggest exposure to the Maritimes, almost 60% of their their infrastructures in those provinces. Uh, they've got a yield of 3.5%. And the second one is flagship communities. That's nhc.u. Uh, their exposure is actually in the U.S., but their exposure is to trailer parks. And what these guys do is they go in and they buy trailer parks and they fix them up. So they put fountains in them. They put uh, beautiful playgrounds. Rec centers. Land- yeah, yeah, yeah. They add uh, they add a lot of amenities to them. And right now, because it is harder for people to uh, directly own a single family home, uh, the 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 trailers and these uh, these mobile homes. Are ideal, and so we've seen a lot of growth in these areas because people that don't want to rent and want to have their own place and want to have a little more room. Well, uh, this fills a market niche, and so Flagship is doing just that. And they're they're essentially in the northeast of the United States, and there's a lot of MA and PA units where you know 50 years ago someone decided that they wanted to get into. Um, Uh, mobile home parks and the mobile home park was built and kind of just sat there some of them are run down but these guys fix them up and they're able to find by fixing them up they're able to increase the rent and they're also being able to attract a whole new community of people that never would look at these things but before but due to the economics of owning a home uh, this is becoming an attractive option
0: so there you go. Companies that are paying great dividends, which could be a real fundamental building block of a good portfolio. There's no denying that. Uh, next time around, we're going to talk about our youngsters. Ron, we've touched on our kids before. Uh, what's the topic this time around?
1: We're going to be looking at 10 ways to help your kids become financially savvy. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about this on the show for over five years ago at about you get kids that not only graduate from high school but graduate from university, and they have no financial tools. They don't zero. know anything about yeah. Yeah. zero. They don't know yeah. anything about credit. Uh, they can't even balance their bank statement. You know, they 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 don't know how to budget. They don't know what the essentials are uh, regarding the most rudimentary aspects of finance.
0: That's not a knock against them. I think that's a knock against the education system. That's my personal opinion. This is something that is sadly lacking in education these days. Yeah, and so we're going to be talking about some things that you can do as a parent
1: to help your kids. So this will, A, make up for what isn't being taught in schools, and also we've got a few points which we're going to be discussing, that if you're a parent, and most kids now have to take a life skills class. And I know when my kids were in school... We went to the teacher, and I added some things to the life skill class, which I came in and taught myself, on on how to do rudimentary things, like how to start a business. We're going to be talking about some of those things next week. But, you know, you want to get your kids off to a good start, because it doesn't matter how smart they are. Unless they can manage their money, it's going to get squandered all the way. And so you've got to teach your kids some basic life skills. So we're going to give you some good
0: tips on how to do that next week. All right. We hope you can join us then. On behalf of the Financial Coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord White, and we'll talk to you next week with another edition of Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.